My name is Allie, and welcome to Funny Fat Friend, a podcast about this bodacious biracial babe trying to find herself in film. It has been over two years here in Louisville, Kentucky, and we are still seeking justice for Breonna Taylor and the Black community as a whole. Give to the Louisville Bail Fund if you're able to, and support Black artists and businesses always. If you are in Kentucky, please call your legislators and oppose anti-trans and racist-ass legislation being passed right now in the General Assembly. You can find the number to call and times in the description down below. All right. As you can probably tell from my voice, I'm sick. Allergy season has officially begun here in Kentucky, and my voice has entered its campfirey phase so please just bear with me i really wanted this episode to come out so we're just gonna fight through it all right team work okay it's still oscar season we're talking about the 2022 oscar nominees we have arrived at the big one it's the best picture nominees I was going to do an episode in between this one and the animated nominees, but, you know, my life got real busy. And I started to outline a best of films that were, like, not nominated for Best Picture that were nominated for other stuff in this Oscars. I don't know. Does that make sense? It's like a best of the non-Best Pictures nominees. And if that makes sense, and if you'd be interested in that, let me know, and I'll make that episode fully. Maybe it'll be like a patron exclusive or something. Oh my gosh. Oh, you're surviving. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, as of last night, I have officially completed watching all 53 films and shorts nominated for the 2022 Academy Awards. Eh. This is definitely the first time I've completed them before the day of the ceremony. Usually, like, day of ceremony, I'm watching, like, three or four films. And it's butts. (laughs) But I did it this time. This time I did it. Also, there were less. I think last year there were four more nominated films, and there were at least four. It's usually, like, 57 to 59 is what I remember it usually being so there were a little less and then also i got real lucky with with the movies i chose to see before the oscar nominations i just i think maybe doing this every year has finally started to work and i'm like trained to pick out the films based on cast director and vibe um <laughs> what will be a nominee uh, so i came in with like i don't I at one point I counted how many I'd already seen, but I don't remember right now, and it's not in front of me, so I don't know. Several. I'd seen several. So that's cool. Great. All right, so let's just get to it. Let's get to the moment we've all been waiting for. Let's talk about the 10 films dominated for Best Picture. I'm just going to go through them in alphabetical order uh, because that's simplest uh, because I didn't feel like ranking them. Maybe I'll try to rank them at the end. Um, but like you should be able to tell from how I talk about them if they're good or not. I don't know. Technically, they're all good, right? Mm-hmm. Now I already don't agree with myself saying that. <laughs> okay, great. Let's start with the first one. It's Belfast. 
Yes, Belfast. I'm going to do like a little plot synopsis for each one. Um, I'm going to avoid spoilers, obviously, uh, because these are brand new films and that sucks. Uh, but yeah, let's 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 chat it up. Let's chat it up. So Belfast, a little bit about it. Um, this is the coming of age story, loosely inspired by the writer and director Kenneth Branagh's childhood in Northern Ireland in 1969. The pivotal moments of the film surround a nine-year-old boy named Buddy as he tries to make sense of the violence impacting his family's life amid the conflict between the Irish Catholics and the Protestants. Um, yeah, I didn't know about this conflict until I watched Dairy Girls a couple years ago. I didn't know. And then I learned more about it watching Drag Race UK. <laughs> um, Blue Hydrangea talked about the conflict. Um, yeah. Wild. Well, I guess not wild. It makes sense. Like, we've done religious persecution and fighting um, since the beginning of people. So, um, but it's really unfortunate. And this is such an incredibly made film. Um, beautifully, visually. It's just stunning. Um, it's really interesting. Part of the film is in black and white and part of it is not. Everything you see of the family and their day-to-day -day life, um, like involving them directly, is in black and white. But anything they watch, like they go to a play at one point, the play is in color. Like the actors on stage, it's all in color. And um, when they watch things on TV or the movies, they're in color. Um, yeah, it's, it's that duality. It's that us and them things aren't black and white, you know? Ah, ah, that's so cool. Right. How cool is that? I think it's amazing. This was, and it fucking flew by this film. It was pretty short. I think it was only like an hour and 40 minutes, if that. Um, so it, it just, it flew by. The pacing is incredible. I was glued. This one really had me glued. I think, yeah, almost the one of the most out of this set, for sure. There wasn't a point where I was like, nah, I'm just going to pause it for a second and go to the bathroom. Like, that didn't happen at all <laughs> during this one. Um, Beyond Best Picture, it's nominated uh, in six other categories for a total of seven nominations. So it's um, Judy Dench is nominated for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. She plays a, the grandmother. Actor in a Supporting Role, um, Kieran Hines. Original Song, Original Screenplay and Director, and Achievement in Sound. Shit was so good it's so good it makes sense why it's nominated for best picture it's so lovely and loving i don't think i would have the creative power to tell a story from my childhood in this way um he yeah kenneth branagh oh my god <laughs> Again, we talked about, I think I talked about this in the nominations, how Kenneth Branagh is somebody that, like, I recognize his name, but I'm not sure who he is. And then we even, I think, went through and, like, looked at things he has done before. I'm going to do it again. I'm doing it again. So if you hear me clicking, that's what's going on. Kenneth 
<laughs> I like his movie so much. I was in Harry Potter. Um, Brianna, Stephen, give me him now. I've looked him up so much. It's just like Oscar nomination, Oscar. Uh, no, I just want him as a person. Give me him as a person. Brianna, let me look at him. Let me look. Oh yeah, it's that guy. This happened. This has literally happened before. We've done exactly this. I'm sorry, everyone. Yeah, look at him. Look at him being himself. Being all adorable. Look at that. That's great. Good for him. Give him awards. Oh. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. What more can I say? I've talked about the, yeah, the visuals. Judy Dench is a goddamn treat. She, yeah, she plays this character really well. She's very devout and religious, but also whip smart and hilarious. And like this, just this person, I think that you can see everyone has someone like this in their family. I think this whip smart woman who you don't completely agree with um, when it comes to either religion or politics, ideology, any of that, but just god really you but you love you know um yeah that's belfast um definitely this one's definitely a, a, a watch watch it watch it watch it watch it watch it oh man so good so fascinating and yeah just it sheds light um even though it's in black and white on history that's important to tell and needs to be told more um, because this was recent this is not a long time ago and that's especially what's so interesting about using the black and white is that it also gives it that of like oh this is so long ago this looks like an old film but it's like it was not long ago um, yeah it's lovely it's it's so well made so well done big two big thumbs up from this lady over here okay all right, cool. Belfast. Um, you can rent it right now. That's what I had to do. I had to rent it. Uh, it might be playing in some movie theaters still around, you know? I know that, like, the Kentucky Theater in Lexington does, like, Oscar. Like, they show, like, them all. Uh, it's really cool. I have several friends in Lexington that get to, like, watch them all on the big screen because of that. And then it's on Google. Doesn't do it. But it's cool. Um, so yeah, if you're in that area, you can check them out there most likely. All right, cool. Next up, Coda. All right, so this one, um, it's about Ruby. Um, she is a Coda, which stands for Child of Deaf Adults. Oh my gosh. Child of Deaf Adults. Um, C-O-D-A. And she finds herself at a crossroads when her family's fishing business is threatened. And she must decide whether to stay and help her loved ones or pursue her own path and passion of making music. As the only hearing person in her family, Ruby fears she's being, she's, um, being <laughs> she will be abandoning her parents if she leaves home to attend Berkeley College of Music. Um, yeah, this one, uh, this one is, um, complicated for me, I have found. People love this film, and it deserves 
to be loved. I really enjoyed it. I I liked it a lot. I liked the movie. It was very like it's just like it hit it hit me right. You know, like of like I it's it's a teen rom com to to most of the extent. Um and like I really enjoy those. <laughs> so it was great. Uh it's just like a coming of age film about a girl. The um I'm really happy that we are getting more and more films showing differently abled lives, right? Because they exist in the world in large populations, do you, right? Like the deaf community is a very significant population of our world. Like people are deaf everywhere. It's uh, it happens very often. Like I don't it is very odd that we do not see their stories told enough. It doesn't make sense at all. And I know that, like, I grew up in Danville, Kentucky, which has a very large deaf population because that is where the Kentucky School for the Deaf is. And so I grew up with sign language and non-hearing people or limited hearing people in my life every day. Uh, and so that definitely colored my watching this film of it being so normal <laughs> to me. Like this just being a very like just normal film of like, okay, yeah, yep, that's how that family works. Like, so it's, it's, but it's blowing people's minds, this film. And I'm glad for it because damn, y'all should have your minds blown. If like, yeah, if this isn't part of your world or wasn't I'm yeah very lucky to have experienced you know different people growing up I learned more and more every day that that is you know something that I need to be very appreciative of and yeah watch it and learn and yeah but on the whole it's just like a sweet film that's fun and cheesy there's like the there's yeah, cheesy cuteness that's really enjoyable and wholesome and just makes your heart like swell a little bit and fun. Um but I didn't I didn't understand why it was really nominated for best picture until like the last like 10 minutes of the film and I cried the hardest maybe yeah I cried the hardest that I have cried out of any of these during CODA. And it was from um, Troy Kotzer's performance. He's nominated for Best Supporting Actor. He plays the father in the film. And he performs in one scene near the end so beautifully and vulnerably it shook my core like it it I had to pause the film and cry and just cry <laughs> and yeah so that moment I literally turned to Michael I was like I finally get it I get why it's out <laughs> I'm like crying my brains out um yeah it's 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 um more than worth a watch everybody should watch it because yeah watch stories that aren't like your own and also you get to see the ways that it is like your own 
and um yeah it's awesome it's great everybody was really fun and it's it's yeah it's not too heavy even though I said I cried the hardest I've cried. It's honestly not too heavy. It just really got me. It just that scene just like did something else to me, dude. And just fucked me up real bad. Um it's got three nominations. So I already mentioned Best Supporting Actor for Troy. And it also has a nomination for Best Adapted Screenplay, which I did not realize it was an adapted screenplay. I assume it's probably a book. Um, but I don't know. I didn't look it up. So that'd be interesting. If it was a book, um, I'd like to read it. Uh, yeah. So that's that's Coda. You can watch it on Apple TV, um, <laughs> which we have because my work got me a, a MacBook. So I have like free Apple TV for a, a long time. I don't know. Are people paying for Apple TV? I don't know that I've had to pay for it yet. I keep getting weird free trials forever. <laughs> I don't know. Otherwise, I it's still available in some theaters, like I was saying for Belfast in those situations. But um, I I'd assume you're gonna be able to watch it in other ways too, because that would be really wild for Apple TV. But maybe it wouldn't. You know, Apple is wild. So there it is. All right, great. Next up, don't look up. Excuse me. <laughs> don't look up. Let's talk about the plot. The Look Up is a dark comedy that follows two astronomers. Astronomers? Astronomers? Astronomers. Oh my gosh. My brain. A dark comedy that follows two astronomers, Dr. Randall Mindy and Kate Dibiaski, as they attempt to warn mankind of an approaching comet that is set to destroy the planet. During their doomsday tour, they meet with the president. But things don't go as planned. Um, yeah, pretty much this whole film was very much me saying to myself, I see what they were trying to do here over and over and over and over and over. And that is not a great piece of satire. <laughs> I can make that comment. Over and over, like oh, I see what they were trying to do here, and it's because they didn't achieve it. It's they, I think, it's fine. It's a fine, tongue-in-cheek thing. It's too damn long to be such a fucking tongue-in-cheek thing. Um, my God, it really beats you over the head a bit. Um, and it shows. It just. It just. It doesn't show enough. It tells so much. They they talk about stuff so much rather than showing you a lot of stuff. And that always aggravates me. Of like, you are a film. You're a movie. You have camera. You can show me this stuff. You don't need to do seven monologues about stuff that's happened or is going to happen. It's like, but whatever people do enjoy it um i'm very happy for them good if you enjoyed it um i think everybody in it 
had a nice time. It seems like everybody in it had a good time on set. Seems like it was a good culture. <laughs> it's a very stacked wild cast. That's fun. Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Lawrence, Meryl Streep, Jonah Hill, Kate Blanchett, Rob Morgan, Mark Rylance, Tyler Perry, Timothy Chalamet, and Ron Perlman are all in the cast. And uh, that's fun and wild. Um, but because of that also, it's very much like one of those like celebrity ensemble movies. You know, where you don't get that much character depth because there's just so many characters. So everybody is pretty one note, um, which can work. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Can that work? Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I didn't... Yeah, I don't think I really disliked it. It seems like now that I'm talking about it, I might have really disliked this film, but I don't think I did. I didn't have a like really bad time while I was watching it. I had a bad time after I watched it, being frustrated by like, yeah, feeling incomplete and then the depth wasn't there. Um, this is an Adam McKay film. He famously did Step Brothers back in the day. Worked with Will Ferrell a lot um and then he made vice which was nominated and i think it won best screenplay um for an oscar and that was extraordinarily good that was very good and yeah this one i think because he didn't have that anchor of like an actual story to tell that he could look to um or like yeah he didn't have like in stepbrothers these are like hilarious they're basically just will ferrell and um john c Riley. so he had that kind of anchor to build upon i think that's kind of where it fell apart here um is that he just he didn't really have an anchor he had an idea that the, he was like this could be funny and it could be satire of like our our uh, um, world and america and stuff and how, how we are polarized but then that's not that's not an anchor you know that's not enough of an idea <laughs> to just make it stuff work um but hey he still got nominated for original screenplay again so good for him it got three other nominations so best picture um original screenplay original score and film editing um i it could have got no, I guess there there's some special effects that were really cool that happened in it, but compared to the other special effect nominees, yeah, it wasn't the same level. Um, the score is really cool. It's really nice. Uh, that part, I did notice the music uh, was really, it, it told the story better. <laughs> Sorry, Adam, but the music, yeah, conveyed a lot more emotion and uh, clarity about what was happening or what was going to happen uh, than the words and actions on screen did a lot of the time but that's neat and interesting right it's interesting to talk about doesn't make it good to watch but it is interesting to talk about it's a great movie to talk about i do appreciate it for that uh great fodder for conversation with my pals um yeah so this was just on netflix super accessible so watch it if you'd like you probably already have a lot of people watch this one back in December and then it ended up getting nominated for an Oscar and I was like, well, 
nee. Cool, 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 cool. Next up is Drive My Car. Drive My Car. Um, it's a Japanese drama based on one of Haruki Marakumi's uh, short stories. It is adapted by the director, uh, Ryosuke um, Hamaguchi. In the film, a renowned stage actor and director is faced with great loss after, after the death of his wife. In order to move forward, he finds himself directing a production of Uncle Vanya in Hiroshima, Japan, and is required to have a driver that takes him to and from the play. <laughs> that is the plot. It's hard. These are hard. <laughs> the plots are hard. This film is three hours long. So, like, <laughs> condensing it to <laughs> a little plot. Uh, that doesn't give away um, all the significances, please. It's pretty difficult. Um, so there's your little taste about about it. Uh, um, it was nominated for two uh, for four total awards. So best picture, international feature, adapted screenplay, and best director. Oh, wow, um, this is the best one. We're, I, we're, I know we're already, we're only halfway, we're only halfway into the podcast. This is the best one. Drive My Car is, um, it's, yeah, it's, uh, <sighs> the way they tell this story is so unexpected and nuanced and gorgeous and every few scenes I was noticing oh they did this with the camera this is how it's making me feel oh holy shit I think we've only been watching the majority of this film from the back seat like that's kind of how the whole film goes is you are behind a lot of the characters a lot of the time like you are in the back seat watching and it's amazing it's so amazing um yeah i've never seen a film like this before yeah it's so it's so very theatrical which sometimes i have an issue with because i'm like well then it should just be a play because i'm one of those people i suck i'm sorry um and <laughs> it's like why is this movie it could just be a play um but it does, it goes further. It, it, it uses the cinematic elements of storytelling to propel it to a place that's just, I've never seen before in a film. And I've never felt before while watching a, a film, like the, the connection to characters so vastly different than I am. Um, yeah, it's, it's very hard to do. And fucking bust it open. Just bust it open. And really gets in there with just hitting so many uncomfortable feelings. Like, 
that we feel and don't ever talk about um, and is able to just tie you into those, just get you and, and explode them kind of. And it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And I I don't know. I don't even know how to say more. Really, like, holy fuck, this film is. Yeah, it's one of the greatest films ever made. I'm fairly confident. I'm very confident, actually. I'm scared to say that because, you know, that's such a big thing to say, but it is. Drive My Car is one of the greatest films that has been made by humans. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know this is just like a fun done podcast, but I think I'm right. I think I might be right, y'all um yeah so definitely watch it it is so long it is three hours long um but yeah even if you have to take it piecemeal you're still gonna get so much out of this like even if it takes you days to watch this film you're still gonna fucking be a changed person i think after it's over uh it's it's on hbo hbo has it streaming on hbo max right now um I think it is still in some theaters as well. It'll probably do the rounds again. And like, we have like the speed cinema here attached to the art museum is like part of the art museum. So if you are close to an art museum, I bet they do a similar thing. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely see this if you can, because fuck. Yeah. Nothing like it. I've never seen something completely like this before and i don't know i hope we get more i think we definitely will we definitely will this is this is the beginning of um a new a, a new kind of i don't it's not genre but i don't know a surge into more human pictures probably i think cuz we also have it's similar I think the emotion I felt and um, just raw humanity connection I felt was similar to The Lost Daughter, which was also nominated, um, but not nominated for Best Picture. And so since we have more than one of that, like, kind of coming out, I think it's, I think it is a thing. And we're going to get more of it. It's kind of what we need, I think, as well. Um just humanity we need humanity really bad right now and yeah i hope it's <sighs> man i hope it finds you where you need it to find you uh yeah so drive my car next up <laughs> what a transition next up is dude oh dude Duty, dude, duty, 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 dude. This plot, oh god, it was so hard. It was so hard because, like, the first time I watched Dude, I was like, I came out of there and I was just so flabbergasted and awestruck by how everything looked and sounded, and the experience of just like seeing it all was just so incredible and amazing. But then I was like, I can't tell you anything that fucking happened in that story i have no idea <laughs> like i wasn't that kind of wasn't what the that didn't feel like the point to me maybe it was to the people who made it i don't think so um because yeah that was that it was about building that the world and it was not about it was about building worlds 
um, and not about fucking story. Uh, but here's the plot <laughs> of Dune. So it's based on the 1965 sci-fi novel by Frank Herbert, Dune. Um, and it's about Paul Atreides, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it, and the House of Atreides, and, uh, they are set to rule over the planet of Kaladin, and in the movie, Paul and his family are compelled to leave their home and govern a desert planet called Arrakis, uh, to make money and rule. And the noble family later becomes embroiled in a war for control over the galaxy's most valuable asset, which is found on Arrakis um, dust. <laughs> and as they fight to keep their titles and uh, stay alive, um, yeah, many losses occur. That's, that's, that's the best I got. That's the plot. I don't know. Was it dust? It's dust. Yeah, it's dust. Um, yeah, and yeah, mm -hmm. you know, it's like I don't know, imperialism and um, metaphors for stuff, you know, there's like racism and magic, but not, I don't know, you know, plot dune. Anyway, again, this is the coolest fucking film I've ever seen in my life. Again. So, man, this was a really good year <laughs> for fucking movies. Because usually, there's not that many that it's like, top, like, the coolest, or the best. For real, for real, you know? And we've gotten several. We've got several. Yeah. This, the first time I saw it, I saw it in IMAX, which might have been too much, but holy shit, it was so cool. It's all the visual and the sound. The sound is really cool, too. The sound and the visual paired are... I have never heard sounds like I have that were created to make the score for this film. I... Yeah, they did. They created an entirely new universe in so many ways. It was incredible. So incredible. Watch it because it is visually and sonically stunning unlike anything ever that has existed it is it is it's the like it's it's the goal this film is the goal of what we have been trying to do with our technology when it comes to cinema for a long time and this is like the most incredible piece of yeah of work technically uh i think it's my god my god and yeah the creative team behind this their brains how did they not only hold the vision for creating this world but then be able to like compartmentalize it and get it the fuck done like i and nope nope i am so not a visual artist that i for real cannot i'm like what <sighs> yeah the future is now we are we are like we are definitely on the precipice of fucking i don't know i don't know i don't know <laughs> what's next what's next 
I can't imagine. I just can't imagine what's next. And that's so exciting. Um, and that's what Dune did. <laughs> that's what Dune did to me. Uh, again, story? I don't know. I don't know, man. I didn't care. I didn't care at all. I did not. But damn, was it cool. Man, even like, yeah, the fucking makeup, the prosthetics, the costuming. Ah, some of the costuming was very simple, but also made sense. Um, like, nah, nothing visually, like, didn't matter. They, yeah, the work, the love, the passion. So good. Wow, so good. Man, yeah, again, HBO Max, it is streaming. You can rent it. Um, it's nominated. It has 10 nominations. So I think that's the second most. It's the second or third most. Um, best picture, best adapted screenplay, production design, cinematography, achievement in sound, original score, film editing, makeup and hairstyling, costume design, visual effects. <sighs> wow. Yeah. 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 And I understand adapted screenplay because this book these books, right? It's a series are a slog to get through, like to even understand just reading. So being able to adapt them into something that makes sense. Um, I know that there's with uh, Kyle MacLachlan, the first there, there's a Dune interpretation and there's an HBO show. I wish I remember the name of it. I enjoyed it. That has the Duplass brothers where they're trying to adapt Dune into like a puppet show. And that's part of the plot of the show and it's very like funny and wild um yeah if anybody knows what that is commented thanks um <laughs> yeah because this is like yeah it's like famously just like something so bonkers to be adapted and interpreted um and so yeah to take that on and then do what they did holy shit dune very cool very really cool all right uh Next up, King Richard. Yes. This was the one I was most excited to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Easy. King Richard was the one I was most excited to watch. Um, the plot. It's a biopic uh, that takes a look at how tennis legends Serena and Venus Williams became superstars in the sport with coaching by their father, Richard Williams, who never took no for an answer. Um, I was a little afraid when I went into watching it that it was going to be, um, I don't know, like an overly like kind and uplifting sports movie, you know, I don't, does that make sense? This, that's definitely like a trope, right? Like this, like overly like, you know, pump up feel goody thing and it was not that it was not that it was very honest it was extremely honest and did not pull punches with this man because i yeah i'm who wrote it i should have looked that up it's the original it's original screenplay is nominated uh, it's one of its nominations um it's yeah it's it's a very realistic and human film um it's yeah it's one of the best biopics i've ever watched and biopics didn't make me uncomfortable like 
I don't know what it is about them. There's always like some like weird veneer thing, like some just thing I can't really like grasp that I'm like, I don't like this. This makes me uncomfortable. And no, King Richard, that shit slapped. It was really good. Will Smith, he has, he has tried for this Oscar so many times and I would like him to have it. I would like him to have it and maybe they'll give it to him because it seems like the Academy just likes to give, you know, makeup Oscars for when they, you know, haven't been able to give it to somebody in the past or should have. Um, they've been doing that a lot recently. <laughs> maybe Will will get it, but he, yeah, he did a really wonderful job. He deserves the nomination. Uh, I, God, dialect alone. I couldn't, this man has like a slight speech impediment and stuff. And like, I don't know. He was uh, And to have these people still be alive um, to watch and, you know, like to have that pressure on top of your performance, I can't imagine. And yeah, it's so very well done. It's fascinating too, because like I grew up and Serena Williams was the person that I knew most about because she's younger of the two. And so she was like part of my like periphery of celebrities that I knew who was Venus was older and this follows closer to Venus's story. So it was really fascinating to get to watch all of that and like see that history being made and how and oh my God. And just the power of it all. Like it is a film that takes itself seriously and deserves to. And yeah. And seeing empowered black people on screen demanding power also is just fuck yes. And we need more of that all the time. And I loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. There was no white saviors at all. Zero percent. There was, a, yeah, they said hell to the no. That is not part of the story. Um, oh. Yeah, it was. It got me real riled up. I cried during the credits. Um, yeah, just from the emotional buildup of it all. It was a, a, the credits gave you give you a really beautiful release, and the Beyonce song, of course, makes me cry also. And so it was. That was so smart. And they paired it all up, and it just, mm, just phenomenal, fantastic. Yeah, it does deserve Best Picture nomination. Um, and I hope it does well. I mean, I wouldn't be mad if it won. That's another thing. There are so many this year that I'm like, you know what? I can see a world in which people would vote for this to be their best. Like, and yeah, and then it would have made me super mad. I think there's only one that would make me mad if it won. Well, no, I don't want Don't Look Up to Win. I could see still a world where it would, but it would make me annoyed. It would make me mad. It made me annoyed. But yeah, it has six nominations. Best Picture, Actress in a Supporting Role, Original Song, Original Screenplay, Actor in a Leading Role, and Film Editing. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, man. Yeah, especially because they even play uh, old, like, home movie footage up against, like, scenes that you've seen like during the credits and like yeah the way they were able to frame things up so well and ah 
The work was put in. The love was put in. It was amazing. Okay, great. It's, um, I think it's just for rent right now. It's still in some theaters, I think. Yeah, I think it's like playing still in like New Albany and Indiana and stuff, but I just rented it and watched it. Uh, great. Whoop, whoop. Wait, what? You can stream it on HBO Max and Apple TV? Damn, well, I paid for it. That's fine. I'm, I paid for it. <laughs> I watched it the other day, but apparently it's now on HBO Max. That's the way. That's the way. That's the way. All right, next up, next up, talking about films that I would be mad if they won. It's this one, Licorice Pizza. I despise this film. Yeah, this is the one that would make me very upset if it wins. And it might. All right, let's talk about it. the plot. Um, tells the story of a young woman named Alana Kane and her first love, Gary Valentine, as they grew up in California's San Fernando Valley in 1973. It's so gross. This film is gross. I need to look up the age gap. I meant to put the age gap. Um, age gap. There it is. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, it's a... It's a romance between a 25-year-old woman and a 15-year-old boy. Ugh. A lot of the discourse I've seen about this film online um, have been people being like, well, it's the context. You need the context of it being the 70s. And I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. That still wasn't okay. That still wasn't okay. And it's like, okay, yeah, we had further ingrained, it's very much ingrained in us still of like the, oh yeah, like young boy, older woman, like that's fine. It's like, that's not fine. It's a child. It's a child and it's gross. And inherently just having an age gap romance in your film is not negative right it doesn't that's not my issue it's not that, like well you can't what you can't tell certain stories no of course you can tell any story you want to tell it's how they treat and show us this romance in a way that is so extraordinarily positive that there is never any check on it you know like to to be like no but this is gross like it's romanticizing it hardcore it's really nasty it's like there was another film that came out red rocket that also has an hrf romance but very much checks itself of like this is fucked up like don't this is bad <laughs> i paul thomas anderson is it's hard for me because i do really like paul thomas anderson i very much enjoy paul thomas anderson so, and then beyond even just the age gap is there's just fucking horrible anti-Asian racism for no reason. They're like, there are multiple times a character uses a really terrible uh, accent and makes awful jokes 
and they don't do anything to the plot at all or add to the film. It's like, he is a shitty person, but they also don't really treat him like a shitty person either, even though he's doing these things. So it's very confusing. It's a very confusing film. I'm confused by it. <laughs> Can you tell? I don't like it. I really don't like it. I don't think it should have a platform. It's it it's so regressive. That's I think the thing that bothers me most is this feels like a film going in the wrong direction. <sighs> right? And it, that it's riling up the fucking yeah, the worst just the worst, the worst people. It's yeah, it's really it's giving this okay to some shitty shit. And that's not okay, and I don't like that. And I'm allowed to not like it. <laughs> okay? You're allowed to like it. If you like it, there are things to love it. Like, yeah, literally, if it... Yeah, if it didn't have those gross things, I this would be one of my favorite films. It's so incredibly cool to look at. It's really fun. It, it Yeah, there's so much about it. Everything else about it is phenomenal yeah it would easily be one of my favorite films because it's the aesthetic i really enjoy like the the character like the actors are so wonderful together honestly they all work together so well and yeah that's the worst part is that it's so well made but it yeah it instills these awful awful things that i cannot get on board with that's gross yeah, fuck licorice pizza. Man, it's so close to... It's like, why? Why did you choose to be shitty? Mm, so close. Whatever. I don't know. It's the 70s. Oh, fuck you guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everyone. It's not you. <laughs> I got riled up. I knew this was going to happen at licorice pizza. I'm just gonna, yeah, better just to move the fuck on. Anyway, it's nominated for, it's got three nominations. Best Picture, Director, and Original Screenplay. And I hope it loses. Then I'll just move on. Next up, Nightmare Alley. Uh, okay, plot. Stanton Carlisle works his way up as a grifter on the carnival circuit after getting close to a clairvoyant, Zena, and her husband, Pete. With the support of his love interest, Molly, Stan plots with a mysterious psychiatrist to con a dangerous tycoon in 1940s New York. This is a Guillermo del Toro film. Um, yeah. It looks cool. I will say that. Costumes are really neat. The production design is really dope. Cinematography is mwah. Um, the film itself, the story has a lot of potential. It falls apart, I think, with its casting and its pacing. Um, yeah, 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 I'm right. Bradley Cooper, I don't think he's a good actor. I'm sorry, Bradley. I think he's probably a really nice person. And he's a pretty solid director. Um, you know, probably a great producer. He's got a great eye for things. But 
Yeah, him as this character, I just didn't believe and I just didn't care about him. Um, and you need to do both <laughs> for this story to really work. Um, so that was an issue for me. And then some of the best acting were very small, small, small parts like Tony Collette um, and Willem Dafoe were so small in it. Um, there are a lot of like, there are a lot of odd visual choices as well, which I guess is just Guillermo del Toro's thing. But like, there's like some odd sexually aggressive things and really odd, like gory aspects. Um, pretty unnecessarily. It's like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Because Guillermo del Toro is very much a maximalist, right? Like, there's no part of a Guillermo del Toro film that you're like, mm, this is simply done. You know, <laughs> like, I don't, that's not an option. But, um, yeah, the, the choices of how some scenes, like, ramped up their maximalism was odd. And it, it was usually odd when it came to sex and blood. So, um, yeah, this was an uncomfy watch. Uh, and yeah, I just, it's no Pan's Labyrinth. Nothing's ever going to be Pan's Labyrinth, you know. I think, is it better than the fish sex movie? What was that? Shape of Water? Mm. Mm, no, it's not. It's not. Shape of Water was better. Those characters were really, really well crafted. And the story was well told, even though I was not that big of a fan. Um, some of the, yeah, some of the dialogue was really weird in Shape of Water, but... Anyway, Nightmare Alley. Yeah, the character development was odd and um, uneven. It does. It just feels like something happened in the script editing process that just kind of just chopped it up a little bit too much. And I don't know. I don't know. But there is, yeah, there's really wonderful potential here. I think it would be a really dope um, long-ass play or some shit. I don't know. Or it would have been a really cool series. Maybe they'll do something in this universe with with the carnival and things like that. That yeah, that would be neat. It'd be a great like HBO series or you know long form thing. I think that'd be neat, and I bet maybe that will happen because you know it's the world we live in. Cool. Um. So yeah, the nominations, which I even already talked about these things. So yeah, it got nominated for best picture production design, cinematography, and costumes. So, yeah, that's awesome. All right, we only have, I think, two left. Yeah, two more. Let's do it. Next up, The Power of the Dog. Um, This is an adaptation of a novel. Novel. I'm really having a hard time with my words. Thomas Savage's novel um, and highlights a domineering but charismatic rancher named Phil Burbank. After Phil's brother, George, brings his new wife and her son, Peter, to live on the ranch, Phil's tough love actions only get more intense. He torments his sister-in-law and her son until he is faced with the possibility of love. Um, yeah, this is a very fascinating one. I love westerns. There's something about 
Western films um, that I've just like always really loved and been drawn to. Um, I think it's because I watched them a lot growing up with my great grandparents and my grandpa. So there's probably what it is. But I also love how the storytelling is so very visual when it comes to a Western. That there is very little dependence ever on dialogue. Um, and honestly, a lot of the time it combats it, the dialogue itself. Like you will see something that has nothing to do with what they're talking about, really. And, but that adds this dynamic to the scene and, oh, it's so cool. Um, yeah. Um, and this, this is the, like, the most modern Western I've seen actually, like, really harken back to that original style of, like, Western, not like a, fun shoot em up that sort of stuff like action thing those are really popular because you know they're exciting and fun but like the the this classic melancholy beauty um yeah this one shit talk about characters um fuck this is a massive character study you could write such long papers about every character in this story even some of the side ones they're just called like ranch hand one like i bet you right <laughs> fucking minimum 10 pager on, on ranch hand one alone yeah this is a really beautiful film um and really surprising i didn't see i saw only one thing coming in this whole film um yeah it's yeah, the possibilities are just endless at every turn in this film, and I don't know how they were able to do that, really, because I'm pretty good at figuring stuff out. Like, I pride myself on solving mysteries in film or, like, seeing visual cues, like, you know, like, I'm proud of myself for that, but also I went to school and studied a lot and learned how to do that, Um, <laughs> so... Not just some natural talent. Uh, but yeah, I... <sighs> yeah, this was this was a shocker in lots of ways. Really lovely. Really painful, too. This is... It's hard to watch at times. Um, but damn. But damn, you can't look away. Shoo. Shoo. Nice. Yeah, I don't know what else really to say about Power of the Dog. It's re it's long. It's on Netflix. Um, but shit, it's good. It's good as fuck. That's what I have to say about it. It's good as fuck. It has the most nominations out of any film nominated for Oscars, and that makes sense. <laughs> it's it's got twelve. It's got twelve nominations. Best Picture, Actress in a Supporting Role. Actor in a supporting role is two two actors nominated for the best supporting role. Um, unlike anybody else, it's best adapted screenplay, actor in a leading role, director, production design, achievement in sound, original score, film editing, and cinematography. And yeah, it could easily take them all. Yeah, 
it could take them all. Um, yeah, it really has the potential to take them all. I don't know, dude. But um, this, yeah, this this is very up there and close with how this is made. It's really, it's really amazing. If there are voters, which there definitely are, that like a classic cinematic style, like classic, classic. Um, then yeah, this is gonna, this is probably gonna sweep a lot of categories. Um, whew, God, wow. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, this is pretty much the inverse of, um, Don't Look Up, where it's like, man, they really just show, and they do not tell, and it's amazing. All right, let's do our last one. It's West Side Story. Um, do y'all not know about West Side Story? <laughs> I'm still going to give a, a recap. I'll still do a little plotty plot, um, but, um, it's surprising if you don't know about West Side Story. Okay, cool. It's, uh, this is a adaptation of the 1957 Broadway musical West Side Story, which tells the love story of two teenagers from different walks of life. Uh, there's a rivalry between two gangs set in West New York. The Jets and the Sharks. Um, the gangs uh, have many things that stand in the way um, of, of them. Um, Tony and Maria want to live happily ever after, but are from these rival gangs. And shit goes down. It's Romeo and Juliet. That's, I guess I could have just said that. Then the Jets. And also, you probably know what that's like. Anyway, okay, cool. Um, yeah, I loved it. I loved it. I was already excited to see West Side Story when it was going to be remade. Especially, this is one where people, there are remakes um, that I will agree. Like, do not, we don't need. <laughs> okay? There's a lot, especially with Disney, going on. Remakes and reboots and all that stuff. And, like, I get it. This this yes the original west side story had a lot 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 wrong going on that the remaking of it felt a little bit necessary kind of to me of like yeah it's about a puerto rican gang versus a white gang and in the original there was only one puerto rican person in the entire cast that is fucked up um so <laughs> yes like let's Let's do better. That's what, yeah, if you're going to reboot or remake a film, it's you, you got to do better. It's got to be better. And so, yes, the original West Side Story is um, really good, but this does things in, yeah, important ways. And so it deserves to exist, and I'm glad it exists. Oh, geez. It has, oh, how many nominations? Seven. Ooh. It's nominated for Best Picture, Actress in a Supporting Role, Director, Production Design, Cinematography, Costumes, and Achievement in Sound. Uh, I I really loved this. I thought it was really well done. Um, my the biggest complaint I think I've seen and talked to people about about this is um, Ansel Elgort who plays Tony. Uh, they're like he doesn't fit and it doesn't make sense. Like they don't enjoy his acting. I enjoy. Um, because, and I will say that it does not make sense a lot of the time, 
he's very, very sweet and goofy and boyish. Um, and it doesn't make any sense that he just came back from a year in jail after beating someone almost to death. Um, doesn't make sense that the gang wants him to be back so bad because he's so tough and great when he the whole time acts like this little goofy boy who's madly in love. But it makes sense when he's with Maria. The scenes together, I really, really enjoyed. They're both so innocent and sweet and like just have this like excitement that's palpable between them and that's awesome um yeah and they sing their voices blended beautifully i think all the songs were so well done um but yeah ariana oh shit i was supposed to look up how to say her last name debose i think that's it's, it's debose i'm pretty confident um ariana debose is nominated for best supporting actress she plays anita um what i cried um pretty hard i cried twice during west side story and the hardest time was when ariana debose who plays anita um it's near the end uh and she comes into contact with rita moreno the actress rita moreno who played Anita in the original West Side Story and is now in this new one with a new role that they made for her. Um, in the original, there's the head of a pharmacy, Doc, who like has like a hideout and like employs Tony and is trying to get him back on his feet. He's a really nice guy. In this, they changed that role to be Doc's wife and Rita Moreno plays that character. Um, but that... The moment that Rita Moreno and Ariana intersect for the first time. And it's in a scene that famously, uh, from the original West Side Story, is accredited for getting, giving Rita Moreno her Oscar. She won an Oscar for her performance as Anita. And so that would be beautiful. But also, it famously was one of the worst experiences of Rita Moreno's life was shooting this scene. Um, and I won't get too into it because I don't want it to be triggering. Um, it's very, yeah, uh, for anybody, uh, you can look it up on your own. Be aware it's about sexual assaults. Um, so that's what it's about. So if that's something that you uh, don't want, to experience or learn about etc for your own safety then don't look it up um but yeah that moment knowing that going into it because i watched her documentary uh that came out a couple of years ago she's just like one of the most badass women that's alive in our world um yeah so watching that scene in the new one and how it was different how knowing the actual story of the woman standing there and the impact. It was just like, that's, yeah, that's something that you, you don't get usually in a film. And uh, oh, whew, it was pretty transcendent. It was a really transcendent moment. And yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. You can also just tell Steven Spielberg fucking loves West Side Story. There was, there is no world in which 
I think he did this for money because one, he doesn't need it. But wow, the care, the care and how this was directed and you can see it is really lovely. Um, and yeah, I hope this is a classic. It's going to be a classic. It'll be around. And I don't think we'll need another interpretation. We won't. We don't need another interpretation. This is it. He did it. And that's awesome. Um, cool. West Side Story. All right. Oh, yeah. You can watch it on. It's on Disney Plus and HBO Max right now. Um, and it's still playing in a lot of theaters, too. Um, dope. All right. There we, do. we did it. We, we have done it. That is all 10 of this year's Academy Award Best Picture nominees. Bless up. Bless up. So yeah, um, Drive My Car is my favorite. I hope it wins, but I don't have that much hope anymore when it comes to the Oscars. Um, I feel like it might be West Side Story. I think there's something in my gut telling me that it's West Side Story is going to win. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't quite know why. It's like it's a combo of like the logic of like old school and new school meaning and you know that sort of thing. Um, but I don't know. Also, I think just people fucking love West Side Story. How could you not love West Side Story? It just slaps, dude. It really is so good. <sighs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it all shakes out. Um, I didn't watch the Oscars last year because, you know, they suck. But this year they have Beyonce performing, which is definitely a ploy by the Academy to get people to watch. But like they, they did. They got me. They got me. I'm going to watch. They know it'll work because it's going to it's going to work. I'm going to watch. So that'll be fun. You can probably follow along. I'll probably like be on Instagram saying shit. Um, if you want reviews of all the films, I write like little tiny micro reviews of everything I watch on my Instagram. I save it as like a little highlight on my profile. It's at Allie period the period G. Allie the G. That's my Insta. Um, great, 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 great. So yeah, let me know your thoughts. Give me ideas on what to do next, because I have full no ideas. And it'll be slow. It's gonna be slow moving forward because I'm fucking busy. It'll be easier over the summer. Things will be lighter, um, hopefully work wise, but you know, life still. Um yeah, so tell me. I love it. I love when you all tell me what to do. It's the best. <laughs> I like not having to use my brain. Yay. Okay. As always, I've been your friendly neighborhood funny fat friend, Allie. And I love you as much as the Academy loves itself. So, so very much. <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.